You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, from the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Mad Men After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Mad Men After Show. Welcome, welcome, everybody. As you guys know, Bing is for doing. We're here doing another Mad Men after show for Season 5, Episode 5, called Signal 30. If you're unfamiliar with uh, my voice right at the top, that's because John Comerford, our regular host, is uh, he's, he's absent from tonight's podcast. So I will be filling in in his shoes. Uh, I am, of course, Phil Svitek. And joined alongside uh, me for this week, we have, as you guys know from past episodes... Kevin Undergaro. Bethany Jaber. And uh, we have a newcomer who's a huge, huge fan of, A, just podcasts in general, and uh, B, Mad Men. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Joshua. Joshua Gardner. Nice to Welcome be here. to the show. Uh, before we get right into it, which a um, huge, huge episode, i got to say, for me, it was the best of the season. But um, as, as I bring up podcasts in general, I do want to say, for those of you listening, you know, we are here every week. We do this all for free to you guys. And all we ask for in return is that you rate and comment us on iTunes. It really means the world to us. Um, and, uh, again, we'll continue to do this. We're going to come out with an app. Again, free to you guys. We don't ever want to charge you for any of this great content. So please just take the minute or less that it takes and rate and comment. And if you've already done so, we appreciate it. Just tell a friend. You like Madman. I'm sure your friends like Madman. Just tune them into us. That's what we like. We like we're a community at the end of the day. Um, so, what did you guys think of the episode? <laughs> Great episode, right? I mean, fantastic. To, to me, it's funny. I, I coming off Breaking Bad, which I was always like, that's number one. Madman number two. After this episode, I'm not so sure. <laughs> this is just incredible, and it's just so laid and so thick that I apologize ahead of time to fans. Because we like to, you know, we're after Buzz, we like to be up 10 minutes after uh, it airs in most cases. But I really feel strongly we should be watching this a second time and then broadcasting because it's so layered. Just amazing writing. Well, know. what I like is that in many ways it is kind of, I think of it, it's our therapy of like going through it. So in many ways you're getting kind of our raw thoughts as opposed to refined thoughts. That's the difference for me, but um, that's fair. It's like it's shamelessly unedited. Yeah. And later on, I listen to it. I'm like, oh, maybe <laughs> that was a little too vulnerable. Yes, and uh, you, Bethany, you brought up a good point. How was you know it was kind of all about masculinity in this episode. But, you know, we've we've been noting that Don's seems kinder. Dare I say he's he's kinder, but I think he feels good about himself, and he feels mm. good about his what he's doing ethically and morally, and in in those. But just instances. in terms of tonight, you're saying everyone yeah. was kind of dealing with their masculinity in Absolutely. general. Absolutely, they were completely, you know, in in it in. And also, old versus young. Yes. Which Definitely. has been a theme, of course. So it's the old world. It's 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 the old guard against the young guard. It's this we talked about last year. It it's it's the '60s, which really ushered into the more or less the society we're living in today. Mm-hmm. Whereas before that, the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, was really a different world. And you know what I think? I think uh, it's also coming to, you know, before we, we talked about there was a lot of subtext and a lot of subtext. And I think like with the 60s, it's all coming to a surface now. You know, Roger has more on-the-nose kind of lines in this episode about him not being, des- you know, he, him being basically worthless there. And we'll get into Lane as well. So a lot of that is coming to the surface as opposed to just, Subtext. So it's definitely those two things, and with the the um, the the guys being emasculated, that also fits the old guard, the new guard, the '60s, and the new way. You know, minorities and women, you know, are all getting a say. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it, you know, more and more. 
No, yeah. and we know it and historically we know it, but then we're seeing it on this show, and it was just prevalent all, just all over all over this episode. Well, let's start with the party because, you know, as as we said the theme of this season has been Don is much kinder and the fact that he's gone to Trudy's party is is another sign of that. Right. It's, it's taken about 5 episodes for me to actually uh, I guess come to terms with him and his new marriage, and I think this episode really <laughs> exactly. I had no idea why that happened yeah, at the it, end it of does. last season, but this episode helped me really see him, uh, his divorce with his kids, and then trying to I guess live with his new wife. You really see him in this episode as the father of the hour. Like he's there every role. He seems to be playing the father figure, whether it's at the dinner party, um, even in the office so much as just letting them fight it out, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to soon. But the dinner party, exactly. You see him playing almost like the quiet father who doesn't want to be there until there's a problem in the kitchen with the faucet. Right. And he steps up and takes care of it. Of course. And I think it's the, I think it's the voice of reason mm-hmm. as well. And I wonder is, it feels to me like he's just, also very desensitized. He absolutely is. And and what I really love about this episode is that Trudy calls him out on it. He's like, go ahead, go through your excuses, mm-hmm. and if you can't make it, we'll just reschedule. And by the way, has Trudy not stepped up she in really- her role? I mean, there was no getting out of that. She's like, we're just going to reschedule until you can come. Yeah. And he said, "I should hire you instead of your husband." Essentially, and what was her? Re- yeah, but right. And what was her response? <laughs> she agreed. No, Did she was not? like, "No, I don't think so." He's doing a great job. Oh, like, okay. She was the. I mean, she a, was the amazing wife. corporate wife, mm-hmm. and really pinning him down. Yeah. And and as we we discover, he may be falling into the footsteps of Dawn, where he's taking that for granted, mm-hmm. as we see as the episode kind of unfolds. Yeah, and uh, let's. Um, in terms of what I really like about the dinner party is that everyone's kind of um, things came into a fruition. I mean, first off, just for me watching this show, it's so funny. I mean, the, no one got Cynthia's name right. And <laughs> I mean, w- when they finally got it right, Don's wife just screaming, Cynthia, Cynthia, Cynthia. Like, so excited. You know, yeah. and, and just so awkward. Um, and this is really one, the first time that they kind of come to a head, you know, at first they're talking about gun control, and you can see that they're not quite clicking right. <laughs> well, again, it's the old guard against the new guard, and Trudy represents the old guard. Mm-hmm. She's the old housewife saying, no, this mm-hmm. is not appropriate at the table, and she's trying to maintain control, and Pete's like, no, 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 let it, let's let it play out a little bit. So, yeah. Some of my f- favorite moments in this is when he's showing off um, uh, his stereo Peter Campbell, and he's like, "Look at this stereo. It's it's seven seven feet. seven feet. Well, Chamberlain could lie on top of it." <laughs> and I feel like he's a young, a young boy though, trapped in in the old guard because even when Don approaches him, he goes, "I mean, he says something completely inappropriate uh, by today's standards, which is you get the biggest steak." Right, right. Here are the rules. Yeah, the rules. You see that father, almost that fatherly complex, and you can see where um, where Pete and Ken are both seemingly trying to adapt to the new, I guess, the new wave of thinking. Mm -hmm. And you see Don just kind of standing there, almost like he doesn't want to move on. He's He's very happy with the mindset that he's been used to. So that's where you get that gap, slowly but surely, where they talk about, oh, well, you know we know this is a big deal that you've come to dinner and, you know, we'd really like you to enjoy yourself. And he uh, he wants no part of it. And he, but he did put on the sport coat. He did. He did change <laughs> he and put did. on the sport coat. You know, and, and again, just fantastic when production asked, design. Oh, when she asked him to change, I was like, I don't know what he's going to wear besides, like, wouldn't he wear that outfit? And, and of course, he wears that funky plaid sport coat. I, I love this episode because there's just humor all over it in, in just the, the, the oddest places. I feel, I feel that way with the sport coat, with the steak comments, with the, yeah. the look at my size, check everything out, yeah, don't yeah. you like my home? The work, no it's baby just, talk, and Don gets the big steak. <laughs> it's <Yes>. just so <laughs> funny. And uh, It was interesting, too, um, when the fact that it came up that Megan was an actress... Yes. And, you know, she said... Um, well, the conversation being that no one gets into advertising. No one dreams of getting into advertising. And, of course, Trudy, corporate wife, towing the lines, like, I don't think so. You guys have a great job. It's very interesting. Whatever. And she said, um, you know, she Megan was an actress. And Megan said, no, I was trying to be an actress. And then, you know, Pete 
he throws an inappropriate comment her way. He kind of yeah lays into her, her, and he goes, and then I just fell in love with advertising, and it, it, you know, being with Don and this worked out for me. And it's in the context she says, you know, um, I saw what Don and Peggy were doing, and I figured I could, I could aspire, you know, be that, and that's when he says his offhanded comment. Right, he gives her a back slap. You know, it's funny when she said I was trying to be an actress. Does that mean she was trying? Like, I know when I heard that she was an actress in early episodes, is she acting as the model wife for him? Is it a front? Mm-hmm. Or or by saying she's trying to be an actress and failed, that is that a good thing? Meaning she, you know, is not trying to be... Well, she's genuinely I there think, for him. I mean, uh, let me know what you guys think of this. But again, we see her, she's trying to be like Peggy. So she's now trying at this. And, you know, I don't think she's succeeding at this to the way Peggy certainly is. No, and in fact, again, you know, speaking to the earlier point about the women taking charge, she is like, no, you've when when Don says, get me out of this, you have to call Trudy and cancel. No, that's on you. You want to cancel? You call her yourself. Mm-hmm. Very strong, you know. Very, very, and just again, um, what a juxtaposition of Trudy. Of course. Um, I'm conflicted with with her on the show. I, I don't, Ooh, Trudy or Megan? W- with Megan, I I haven't uh, like you were saying. I, still, I just yeah. I haven't I haven't warmed up to her. I don't know what it is. Um, I, I I wish I could put my finger. You're like everyone at the, at the office, she's the new girl yeah. taking the job, and it bothers you. I just maybe maybe it maybe it is. I don't I don't I have not warmed up to her just yet. I just. I feel like everybody's motives on the show are so clear, and they haven't necessarily cinched her her point of view in yet. Because I really don't know what her point of view is on the show. Well, I think I think she might not necessarily have one. Again, she's trying to be certain. Yeah, she's trying to find who she is. I feel like, Mm -hmm. and I and I feel like he's desensitized. I do think he loves her as much as he can. I feel like a lot of it's ripped out of him. how, How great was their conversation in the car of like, let's have a baby. And he, and she's like, that's what gets you off now? It, and he's like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? So again, the old guard yeah, mm-hmm. versus the new guard. And I know we'll talk about the whore house later. But for me, just hearing that Don grew up in that, how the hell could the guy be normal? How could he not be desensitized if you grew up seeing that? Yeah. It's just very interesting. Did you also notice, you know, in the dinner, a couple other, like, great lines were thrown, thrown out? I'm trying to think of the one that, I, that had me laughing. It was... It was um Oh, what, what did you have? I can't well, I was going to say, like, th- there's a lot of uh, callbacks to just the color brown. And I do think that's uh, that's a call to the race and, and, and the race relations in the future that we're going to see and the changing of the times. But I know when he wanted his drink, he said, you know, I want it big and brown. Mm-hmm. And then um, when they were talking about living out in the country, he's like, what, you missed the horse shit? Mm-hmm. So um, just very interesting. I think just... Just everything what we're talking about just took place at that whole dinner scene. Well, and then it was interesting because some of those lines, um, I was expecting any of the characters to get offended and bring it up. Uh, it was the line with uh, Ken's wife when they talked about money trouble, and they said, "Well, any any money that I ask for from my family, you know, comes with strings, unlike Trudy's." <laughs> right, right. And right? You, you, like you don't insult the. the the, the the wife who's running the dinner, and so the the idea that she just smiled it off and yeah, just that's Trudy. Like, yeah, quickly, my yeah, slid it to another subject, and yeah. God, I, I I want her as my maybe wife. later for for special news. I have an, an interesting story how how Allie Bree got the job for Trudy. Oh my God, I want to hear that because I also yeah. I read, I I saw say, a yeah, piece she's... from an interview mm-hmm. that should be interesting that we'll share in news and gossip. Um, what did you guys think of? The, I mean, the sink thing said so much. It was my favorite part, uh, only because when it opened with it, and and you see him so unhappy. Uh, I, I, forgive me, Peter Campbell. You see him so unhappy in his bed, and then he fixes the sink. And he's in curlers. Yep. Oh my god, it's There's, so old school. He's so satisfied, like his masculinity in that moment. Like everything is intact. And when he he's brought like, the little green toolbox and fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love how I'm it, a man. I can it's fix not about things. your talent. It's about the fact that you have the right tools to do the job with. Like. Oh, yeah, and and again, when 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 it bursts at the party, oh, let me get the toolbox because that fixes it rather than the man. Where, right. Where, whereas Don is just so capable and he knows exactly. Off comes the shirt. Yeah. They're like, wow, he's the, like Superman. The cost in the costumes in that scene show it. I mean, of course, he rips off the suit and is immediately to work. You know, trying to fix the plumbing while Pete comes back still in his suit mm-hmm. with a toolbox 
probably knowing half of the tools that are in there that he could actually use. And, and, the, and, the, and that contrast is, is there again with saying, uh, I don't miss the horse shit. Um, I grew up in a whorehouse versus Peter who said, didn't my, I think my family donated land to that botanical garden. And so you, you, you get a sense really who they are, where they're from and why one can fix a faucet and feels like a man and why the other just has no idea where he belongs. The other one just seems to always be in this loop of playing house anytime he's home. Right. And And the, and the, and the foreshadowing of, I think it was Trudy who said, the faucet blew up in my face, (laughs) which is this, is this not all going (laughs) to blow up in her face, her, the marriage. Absolutely. Repeat at some yeah. point. Yeah. And uh, I know this is kind of jumping in a little bit, but um, the one at the end, Don and um, Pete in the elevator, he says, Pete says to Don, we're, I thought we were supposed to be friends. Hmm. That's also a rough mm-hmm. line. But um, And then he says, we- I have nothing. Or yeah. he refers you, to having and nothing. And you have that that solemn shot of him from the... Well, let's... Let's yeah. talk about before okay. we... You know, Why are you jumping ahead, Phil? Come right. on. Let's backtrack. Come on. Um, You're getting us excited. Yeah. Let's talk about Ken's writing. Um, and in particular, uh, his his short story, The Punishment of X4, which was awesome. The, basically, there's a robot and the bridge collapses. Everyone dies. Ben Hargrove, excuse me. He, yes. Who writes about planets, robots, and things. Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it was because the robot didn't have the power to make the decision. Yeah, and is that? I mean, God, is oh that? Is that just speak to all of them? Does that? That's just. I, I almost wanted to be like, why are you telling this story at the dinner table? <laughs> They're going to find out that you feel like the robot. Yeah, right. He's <laughs> he's the robot who yeah. has no control, but but is not Pete the robot? Is not is not Roger the robot? Is not. Uh, I I don't know if I would argue. I certainly can. I mean, it's, and you see that with Roger and and their meeting. Together, when he says, "You know, this job's supposed but to be." Think of Lane, Phil. If you think of every one well, of Lane those is a robot, right? But even Pete is. I think it's most. I think it's particularly painful for Pete because you see this episode of him really. I guess with his marriage, he's not happy. But the way they show it, it almost it shows it exactly like a game that he's just losing at. I mean, Don is what every one of yeah. them. There's not one that I can think of. Yeah. You know, maybe Joan. Maybe Joan is there. Uh, because she wants to be there, or maybe Peggy. I don't know. Maybe the women, which means speaks to your point, Bethany. Uh, maybe you don't think so. Are the, they robots as well? The, the, are the where the guys I mean, are robots? To, to, to a point. I mean, I find it interesting that Ken. I mean, he is taking a step forward in the sense that he is trying something other than his job. Like his other part of himself, his shadow self, is hidden, and he's a writer. So he's part of the new guard in the sense that he's like. Okay, I'm going to be a part of the workforce and I'm going to be an artist on the side and you're not going to see it versus um Roger who was like don't don't even try to be an artist. But at the same time, I I where am I going with this? I think I just Well, lost track. what's nice there's that conversation between him and Peggy. Mhm. Right? And he says, "Now uh, he passes off the torch and says, "I'll leave the writing to you." So, and she's, but which she said, supports she's the a, argument. She said something about, you know, I read one of your stories about girls laying eggs. Just very, very interesting. Again, speaking of what we're talking about, um, <laughs> but he's going to quit writing right yes. after his conversation with Roger, which was a great, I thought, a great conversation. Did anyone else think that Roger was going to try and pay him off like he has in the past two episodes with <laughs> with Peggy and with? Um, no, oh, you know why? I, I didn't think so because he had power over him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he could still exert that last bit of power. Over him, but but it was amazing. That he, he said, you know, "Roger says this job satisfies every need I remember, mm-hmm. not even every need I have. Every need I remember. So it was satisfies every need when it's good. I said it satisfies every need. That- every need I remember to me. It, so he's talking about like how great it, how well how it just satisfied me in my past. It wasn't mm-hmm. amazing. It just got me by in my past. Yeah." So it's just completely tragic statement. Well, let me. And what about the production? You know, I, what I just noticed was the stark contrast to his office. Mm-hmm. Just the production design. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, the, the, <laughs> it is beautiful on the surface, but you know, deep down, it's black and white, mm-hmm. which is that I want. He keeps saying, "I want it to go back to the old way, deep yeah. down, the way it used no to be." Where life. But did you see his painting? The black and white painting yes. with the you know. It, to me, it represented chaos because it was well, just exactly. And it, this is why this is so layered and so fantastic, Phil. 
totally chaos. And and yet, in the pure colors of the black and white, to me, it's the fact that he wants it the old days. Because if you remember, well, if you remember, if you know history, the 50s, even World War II, it was black and white. It Mm -hmm. was good versus evil. That's it. It just started getting gray Mm -hmm. and messed up in the 60s, you know. But back then, it was very simple. And it it was black or white. And that's it. And that's the world he wants to be back in. And yet, it's masked by being modern, and then the chaotic painting, which is genius and just shows why he's such a mess. (laughs) And there's absolutely no clutter in his office either, whereas every other character has some form of clutter that's specific to them. Uh, I mean, Lane, of course, with all of his... None. His British... Mm -hmm. uh, Well, again, And again, I think it's because he's simple. Mm-hmm. And also because he has nothing going on. Yeah. So yeah. on the on the on the you know the mm-hmm. subtext is because it's it's that simple philosophy of life, but on the you know on the surface any, he has nothing. And any time he talks, it's always a story of previous yeah back in the day clients and mm-hmm. and the old job and uh, yeah that well, that great line where at the end where I, did Ken ask him again where it's like oh it satisfies everything it's like well it used to like, yeah yeah and uh, then and then of course you know wrapping up Ken is that. He's obviously lying because now he's Dave Algonquin, yeah, and he's writing this story that actually seemed pretty interesting. Well, mm-hmm. I think you know, uh, Bethany, you're probably smart in this sense of you know existentialism and nihilism. You know, came about in Germany and all that, and and it was in that mindset. And then, I mean, again, I'm not like a psychiatrist or. A f- Whatever, but it, it seems like the only way to it seems like um, you know Ken is beating, you know, um, being a robot by like okay you know what life we got to create some sort of meaning to mm-hmm. it and you know so he's reinventing himself and he's being okay. existentialist in that yeah. sense and it seems like maybe that's the only answer and I don't know if that was coming about in the sixties as philosophy existentialism but, uh, yeah that was, yeah it was, that was yeah, absolutely yeah big time so I think. I think that's what's happening with Ken. Is that that is you know out of this chaos, the only way to find meaning is you got to give your own life some sort of meaning. You can't just no one's going to give it to you. No, no one's going to give it to you. But I do find it interest. I, I find it interesting that he 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 refuses to take ownership of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he he won't. Well, he can't. He, he can't. can't. It's it's impossible. <laughs> he can't. Yeah. Well, speaking of things not being able to give you meaning, let's talk about um. Uh, let's talk about uh. Driver's Ed. Driver's Ed and Pete. (laughs) Of course. Wow. Uh, You know, Driver's Ed just, again, so much, so much symbolism. Him talking to this high school student. um, Well, just the fact that he, you know, driving is an act of you're in control. You're behind the wheel Mm -hmm. of your life. And he doesn't know how to. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's as if he really is emotionally 15. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) He just never grew up. And, and, you know, we see this with a lot of overachievers, too. Like, they, that's why, like, you know, later in life they have their midlife crisis. Or and we see in Hollywood people get successful, then all of a sudden they have to bang every single girl to make up for who they didn't have in high school yeah. or college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're seeing this with him, you know, as, as he's, like, lusting over this young girl. Um, I love they're talking about the sniper and how the world's getting messed up and time's speeding up. Um, and, again, we're seeing that old and new. You know, and the parents are overprotective. They don't want to let her out. And he's like, no. (laughs) And I love that this handsome, you know, handsome, 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 sorry, I have gum in my mouth. I really shouldn't. Um, Handsome man shows up, man, boy. And it's it's basically Don once again, Mm -hmm. stepping in. It's the stud with all the muscles. And, you know, you see his perspective and the cinematography focuses on the guy's biceps. The poor actor is like, please just get a shot of my face. And they're like, let's get your muscles. Poor actor. Now, Beth, you're a working actress. You're really going to say poor actor. He gets a great spot on Mad Men. He gets a great spot on Mad Men. But, on, stop but it. you know that he's sitting there going, like, really? You couldn't have just gotten, like... I'm a- sure he's oh, not. No, I don't think so. I think <laughs> I think any, any yeah. time they see them laying dolly track for a shot that's going to be all of you... No, I think you're good. <laughs> he's putting his hand up his her skirt. I mean, you know, he's and they're... Pro- he's probably very they're, happy. They're coodling in the corner, and you just see <laughs> poor mm-hmm. Pete alone. And, and the and, separation and, with, the key, with the projector as well is just another extra... Mm-hmm. Just it's another beautiful. layer with that. It's so... It was a, I thought that should have been the shot to end the episode instead of the writing. 
Well, speaking I of sh- that was such a let's good. talk about the shot. It goes from him at the office to him. Oh, the dissolve. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the dolly dissolved to him, and he's kind of has the same expression. Would you say or no? It, almost identical because it's from because that's he's in is it he's in the elevator leaving or is that he no right? he's in the office. To, Be more specific because I, I you've lost me with Pete the the shot before. Um, the Before shot driver's, driver's Ed. Okay, thank the you. The one that he transition, transitions to, his face is, I think, almost exactly the yes. same. Uh, very hollow. It looks puzzled almost. And then mm. th- that turns into the dolly of uh, one of the final shots of that mm-hmm. scene. Which I'd love to know um, how much of that was um, manipulated, you know, in terms of matching. Because it, it matched really, meaning, really meaning you well. you think it was in script or, or do you think the I mean, other I, did it? I like, think it later. certainly had to be in script. Okay. I don't think, you know, I, I think, because here's the thing, it's it's such a show, I don't think they would, you know, uh, I don't think it's worth spending CGI, you know, I know you can mm-hmm. sort of match it, but I think they were so careful in how they did it, um, to match that shot, you know, I'm sure they had screen grabs and all that printed say, it's up. A, it's a script supervisor with a lot of pictures and notes, like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> every time. Exactly, and so, you know, I guarantee you, that must have taken them a lot of time, and uh, just like with, you know, Breaking Bad, there was one final shot that t- took them 17 takes, I guarantee you, you know, they took a lot of takes to make sure that was perfect, mm-hmm. Right. and the expression was 100% dead on. So you agree that it was the same expression, though? It did look like from, it, yeah. From work to there. Right. Okay. Not fitting in either place. And you know what, uh, transitioning to uh, later on when he's with the whore... Um, what I liked was she played off both parts for him of the young girl and Trudy where at first she's like hi honey uh, welcome home and then she's like oh perhaps he he's likes like, he's like no next yeah and so he went through both until he's the oh you're the king you're the king that'll work because he's essentially had both both of those fantasies still has in his almost his childhood as a essentially a grown up child like that's how we see him in this episode. So to see the mother or the wife figure and then the schoolgirl figure, it won't do him any justice. It's because no. the schoolgirl essentially because he has yeah he has the wife and he has the girl at the driver's head that he wants and then there he's wants something different. It's mm-hmm. and, and, and he wants to be king. He exactly. want, he just he's in, he's just so insecure and so finally wants the credit and has been in Dawn's shadow and who knows his father's shadow like so much of his life and now I want to be Rogers the man as well. Rogers as well. Mm-hmm. It, it's also authentic to the moment. You know, if if, if they're if she's role playing, it's not uh, it's not authentic. But if she's like I'm a prostitute and you are king in this moment. It's 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 true to the moment. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually for for me it's his his first honest moment in the script. Just to say just when he says be, when she says Yeah, he's like I don't want any fake stuff. I got plenty of fake stuff in my life. And she's like how about this? And he's like no, nah, I got fake stuff there. Right. You're the prostitute. I got the money. I'm the king. This is the most truthful thing that is happening in my life right now. Mhm. <laughs> wow. And uh, and how you know how awesome was was the cab ride when it's just him and Don and he says you didn't judge Roger why are you judging me and uh, you know Don turns to him and says you know don't mess this up because at least yeah. I thought you were happy Roger isn't Roger's miserable oh. he's yeah. like, so he's done he's miserable come on and it's too late for him mm-hmm. you know you're young and you have uh, a great setup and a great wife and he's like and I messed it up and just because I did doesn't mean it's right for you too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So again, speaking to your point, Joshua being that father mm-hmm. figure and giving him that advice, which is inter- you know just backing up a little bit. I don't know. If, did he really mess it up with Betty? Was Betty really a good wife? You guys, oh, she was I horrendous. She's a terrible wife. That's she what was I mean. Horrible. She cheated I mean, he, but on But again, him. I mean, of, of course he was cheating. But at he the was same cheating. Time, but, but I'm just was... saying, as far as she just seemed vapid and 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 one dimensional, didn't seem like she was offering much as a wife. Mm-hmm. Where, but maybe in his brain we all do that he's fantasized where he was at home with his kids and maybe it was a good thing I think it's God, still he's looking for that so... that, me, that middle between the wife that really isn't there and now the wife that wants to do everything and he's constantly trying to figure out his comfort zone of you know but he's also too he's, much. And, and he's still old school so the, this yeah. new wife who's like baby what this, do you mean a baby this is new that? wife who's telling him you're going to drive and you need to stop drinking now he's still not used to that and the birthday party where she's singing 
uh, seductively in front of all of his coworkers. Right. It didn't help either. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so funny. Which I once again to remind viewers how the influence of Mad Men that the fact that that song became the number one downloaded song on iTunes Did the next really? day. That's oh huge. Crazy. Crazy thing for <laughs> Mad Men. Um, so, uh, to kind of, uh, why don't we... We should talk we... about Jaguar. Yeah, let's... Oh, I would love to. That would be Huge. <laughs> well, they know... That... I love how... First off, all right, so I'm a soccer fan. So, speaking of masculinity, you know, uh, England had just won the World Cup then, and obviously that relates to Lane because he's still British and, and whatnot. And so, he's supposed to be flying high. Mm-hmm. And as we know, he's just so incompetent in life. It, it really it, is. He well, he's good with numbers. Let's give him. I mean, no, he's not because jo- we know at the end of the day, Joan's the really good one, and that's why you know in the first episode he was looking at her like, "I need your help," and in this episode too, he's right. like, he tells her. You but backing do up job. earlier seasons, I mean, he's the one that bounced the books. He made all the, the tough decisions, the hard cuts. He's the one who like trimmed them down to nothing, and that's why he, the company that employed him wanted to advance him and give him more money and you know they they loved what he did i i think i mean i just think yeah. maybe on the human uh, yes he, on the I human think he level uses joan as far as getting um the human stuff yeah exactly keeping uh, keeping everything i guess up to cost with staff making sure that everything's the psycho- running psychological aspects oh yeah because he can't rein in any of the and, partner meetings and that's, that's just where he but that's them. smart business as well like mm-hmm. we're, we're the places where you are inadequate that's when you get somebody to, to fill in the things that that will help you where yeah. they are adequate what do you guys make of the amazing cut to from him being like I don't find soccer fun that's the stuff my dad <laughs> finds fun and mind you like I still go back to that brutal <laughs> so scene awesome. with his father stepping on his knuckles and kicking oh, his yeah. it was horrible like mm-hmm. I just wanted the father's ass to get kicked in the worst way mm-hmm. and he's like that's not me and then the hard cut to him screaming and cheering uh, and singing <laughs> God like Save this, the Queen yeah. Yeah. so was he being genuine in that moment was he genuinely excited about the game or was he just going be, along I don't know if he was entirely excited about the game certainly the the British pride over winning but I, I don't know if I can but say it was, exactly but was it genuine a genuine pride yes I'd say so he was genuinely cheering and excited yeah. I think I think it's part of um, and maybe I'm generalizing but it, an English disposition Having an English I, I husband, think it, I think you know, I'll be like, "Let's go do this. This will be so much fun." And I'll be like, "Oh, I don't know. Maybe we. I don't think we should do that. That that can't be exciting." And then we yeah. get there, and he's like, "This is the best game ever." It's amazing. Well, I also think like <laughs> he has cultural. such he has such little fun, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. so I think genuinely he felt like he was not going to have fun. And I don't I don't know if he ever, you know, liked soccer or not, but in that moment he finally, you know, as we're talking about, you know, everyone being kind of a robot, this was his escape out of being just a robot. Mm-hmm. It was his right. chance to, you know, he's drinking, so what does drinking do? It, it, it uh, changes your pattern of and, behavior. And the only other time we've seen that, especially with Lane, was last season with him and Don on Christmas, mm. uh, getting drunk and going to dinner and going to the movies and then going to, um, was a club or a whorehouse? Yeah, they picked up a couple of girls. They go, yeah, yeah, they picked up a he, few girls. Um, and when he had his chocolate bunny. That's right. <laughs> you know, he was happy. Mm-hmm. Um Interesting, you know, they talk about his messy divorce with Great Britain. That comes <laughs> up. Um, and again, just it talks about, like, how things are chaotic in his world. It's also interesting in production design. You always see prominently a Mets pennant, and it's in bright red. Oh. You know, and the Yankees are the have always been the, the, the number one team in town. Yeah. And for him, you know, it's like they're the, you know, they're the second ticket. Um, and then that red... Is just so stark and so mm-hmm. says could say a lot of things. Could say blood. It could say martyrdom. Um, I know Bethy are good at like colors, like color oh. interpretation. But but if you notice, yeah. when, even when Joan came back, she was in the red dress. Yep. At the very beginning, uh-huh. so I thought, I thought it was and very interesting. I don't know if this is great. a, a no layer of it, but it's also kind of pointing towards the window. Pointing towards. I mean, yeah. I don't know how much. You no, can read into I'm that sure. Part. I'm sure it does because everything just seems so well thought out here. Um, but we see that he gets, he gets this meeting, and Roger gives him some amazing tips. It was actually mm-hmm. nice to see, like you know why Roger was such in his days to be actually a, helping him, an yeah. amazing salesperson. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, 
Oh, my goodness. It was one of my favorite moments. But when he actually gets to the dinner and the guy will not show any of his cards. Nothing. (laughs) Do you? I have to be honest with you. I love my wife very much. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, that's what I'm thinking of, too, with the the idea of the World Cup, with just that dinner. Um, I also feel with Lane that that just becomes another British talking point. Like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Let's talk about the war. How are you doing here in America? And then you run out of topics very quickly. So it's like, <laughs> it was just just going going back because we're seeing. I want to talk a little bit more about Don because we're we're, we're seeing mm-hmm. like less and less of his strengths. So mm-hmm. I want to like at least hang on to the facts that we do. And when he mentions the scotch, he said, you know, uh, just just drink it halfway down. You mean it, Roger. You Roger? Roger? Okay, yeah. Roger. I'm sorry. Okay. Till it's see through. You know, which again is that the brown being watered down, we're mixing everything together. It's just, I, I, I love the writing on the show. Yeah. But he says the basis of friendship is conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It certainly is. And, uh, and, and it's so weird how Pete has really made him kind of a whipping boy and he just, just takes it. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, after the meeting, like, uh, my schedule is busy. You handle it, Roger. And the perfect setup because then, obviously, you know, it's kind of like now Roger and Lane are intertwined. And so if Lane fails, that's a fault of Roger's. Right. You know, even though Roger had instructed him correctly, it doesn't matter. That's beside the point. So the the English guy knows he can't be he can't be fully honest because the wives know each other. Mm-hmm. And he wants to, they, they take him to dinner. They have to step in. Well, with right. every, and if with everything, with with all the indiscretion, uh, the adulterous indiscretion in this in this episode, I kept waiting for, especially when he was furious about um, finding out through his wife about the night that they threw the Jaguar rep. Um, I'm still waiting for his wife to find the photograph from season one or from episode one of this season. Of the lost wallet with the girl there, and then his, of course, his indiscretion yeah, with with the um, the dancer at the club last season, and just all that is going to pile up. But you still have this almost proper British, like you 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 don't do that. You know, you ruin our clients. You ruin. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife knows his wife. It's it's weird. I was waiting for that to pile up, especially in the fist fight at the end of the episode. I was waiting for that to boil over in some form or another of just accusations around the table. No. No, because it was all about it was all about you, who is stronger, who mm-hmm. is more masculine. That's I mean I, I know but, but, I, I know okay, I keep was that, back to that. No, it was that. But here's also the same thing. It was that. Mm. But it was interesting because and because the, the Pete even called him a homo. Yeah. Listen, we didn't have you go because you know, everyone thinks you're a homo. And shrugged and shrugged it off like he was just stating an obvious. Yeah, thing. and he was like, "You little, you know, bastard! Like I'm yeah. the one who set you up. I gave gave you good advice. Let's fight." And you see, he looks. Uh, Pete looks around the room like, "Wait, wait, wait!" And I, and, and how do you not love uh, Roger's response? <laughs> just ex- I know we should stop this, but come on, this is just we too entertaining. To yeah, yeah. yeah and the and the, I, yeah. and Don they draw the blinds and. And they basically let them go. Do nothing to stop them. Draw the blinds. I was wait. I've been waiting essentially to see Pete get hit in the face a few times ever since season one. Well, as Joan says, everyone has. Everyone has bigger than everyone else. Yeah, everyone has. And and it was and again it spoke to the times because as far advanced as the sixties are, Mm -hmm. it's still in that place of want to step outside today. That would never happen. The dinner table. They were talking about outhouses. As right. well, like just right. that that weird reference, especially oh the fist fight those. But 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 also noticing the stance, I mentioned to you guys watching it, Lane was in this old boxer yep. stance mm-hmm. again, more like the eighteen hundreds, kind of like, like the Notre Dame Irish uh, stance. Yes, and that's more mm-hmm. pre nineteen fifties fighting. All, yeah, but when when Marciano came, it started with Lewis, but Marciano the fist got turned up. Mm-hmm. So Pete was in a modern day fighting stance. And Lane was in an old fighting stance. So once again, we're we're also mm-hmm. getting old versus young. And in this yeah. case, old won. Yeah. Old was victorious. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. Yep. I, not to digress, but my favorite moment of the evening was grown men sitting with bibs on. Well, that, yes, it was fantastic. And, a, and, a, and another great Saying, art let's cut. let's go get out. Let's go to a whorehouse. Right. So he has this very refined and distinguished dinner with his, his, his old countrymen mm. when he sits with Lane. But mm-hmm. then when he sits with 
the boys. And you can just see it, too, because the three of them are still trying to talk business. And you can almost see, I think the bib heightens that boyish <laughs> excitement of, oh, good. I'm, I, yeah. And with I'd the like red. to have some fun. Big right. babies. <laughs> yeah. And he's big like, you got. babies, like, going to hopefully get satisfied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just... Which I don't know if, uh, you know, you'd have to be kind of dialed into the young culture now. But, you know, lobster, lobsters have tail and, and they term is chasing tail <laughs> as they say chasing tail and then well also done. he mentions if uh, when um, when Don has his little signing off with Kenny mm-hmm. he said you know if my uh, about growing a beaver tail you know do you remember that oh yes where he says you know yeah. my wife like likes I write fur stories, it's like oh well my wife likes fur but you don't see me growing a tail <laughs> right so it's just interesting all this God, it's like you know you wonder uh, I don't know. It's so advanced. It just makes me glad I don't write TV anymore because there's no way I could keep up with these people. That's yeah. why we do reality shows. Yeah, that's why we do shit <laughs> that's shows. That's not true. You could totally do that. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, you could. Uh, but let's let's talk about the fight then and specifically. Uh, for me, I will give it a slight knock in the fact that you know it wasn't the most exciting fight to watch. But everything else well, is so It was great. definitely much more old fashion with the duel like I throw a punch then you throw a punch then I you know which fist fights generally I don't care what the errors seem like they're more sloppy I think also the way they had it shot and presented to us we were meant to look at everyone else's reactions especially Joan and Peggy when they're listening through the door um yeah because it wasn't really a matter at that point it wasn't a matter of who of the two of them fighting it was them basically saying nope we're gonna let them play it out and see what happens and We'll move on from this, but it's. It was. I'm still. I that was probably my be- my favorite part of the episode. I mean, and you know, I don't think that this will take the bite out of Pete. This will probably make him even worse. Mm-hmm. More, oh, yeah. more bitter, more, oh. more cruel, more. This, vicious. I think this is the beginning of the downhill. But spiral. it's also revitalized Lane. I mean, the fact that he had the audacity to kiss Joan, right? And then <laughs> and then Joan really gets up and cool. the audacity to fight. Fight Pete. That's yeah. right. And and say, you know what? I'm tired. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of this, and I'm sick of you. Let's way, go. How great is Joan? She's amazing. Yeah, she's so she's great. She's brilliant. She's like, okay, I don't want to kiss you, but I'm not going to humiliate you back. But let me open the door. I was going to say, it was there's that, a reason they also, keep writing for her. Yeah. Also, a real moment of of still that 50s esque moment where she's just like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to just move on. And where he's like, I'm sorry, or we said, I'm sorry for that. And it's like, no, for what? Yeah, for what? We've just, always wanted to hit Pete. Like, yeah, we've always wanted to hit Pete. We've moved. always wanted to do that, and I think, I think what she that. meant too was everyone's wanted to kiss me too. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So not a big yeah, deal. Not that. I, I, not a big deal, mm-hmm. which is why she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She we, is. I need a secretary. Um, <laughs> anything else that you guys want to talk about before we head into a uh, to a quick commercial break? And well, just the fact that you know, I think what's interesting about the whorehouse is the fact you know. I feel like Don a couple of years ago would have been he would have been hitting some of the girls, don't you think he'd be? He would oh, absolutely! And now he's yeah. just he's just at this place. You have that you have that great development of last week with him with the high fever and the visions of cheating on his now wife, and it's this episode you kind of see him. I, I'd like to say learning from that and moving on. It's you, certainly a development because every other time you'd think of it, he would... Or just punched out and desensitized. That's kind yeah. of what I feel like. I just feel like he's really desensitized mm-hmm. and he can't seem to get it right. So, but he gives know. it. He gives Definitely the, uh, quizzical. Why are you so quizzical? Well, I'm just I'm just thinking about Don and just wondering what it is, why he is being... I, 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 think, I think he's somewhat content. Um... Not which that is he, new for him. which is new for him. So mm. I think it's it's an odd role for him to just kind of sit back and listen. Also, um, we're on the fifth season. We've kind of put him through the ringer. Mm-hmm. So there's you know I think he he does character wise he needs a little bit of a break. He needs to be content for a little bit and and give some of the supporting characters some action. Well, I'm I'm enjoying it. I am too. I think it's great. It's great Speaking writing. It's break, a great show. Why don't we go ahead and take our break? We've got news and gossip. Um, we'll talk about you know how how sh- uh, she got the acting role. Bethany yeah. has her thing, so that'll Ron be a fun special Brie. segment. Yes. Uh, we'll do predictions for next week. And uh, of course, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm sure there's a few things that we might have missed. But uh, you know, tweet at us, and we'll be happy to discuss it further or whatever with you guys. 
via email, <laughs> Twitter, any of that fun stuff. Um, but we'll be back right after this. After Buzz TV. Hi. I was once like you, a lazy, angry loner whose only joy was watching TV and surfing the net. And like you, after I'd see one of my favorite TV shows, I'd be so excited and have so many questions that I'd actually have to talk to my douchebag coworkers about it at the water cooler. Then I discovered AfterBuzzTV.com. AfterBuzz TV produces after-show webcasts and podcasts for TV series of all kinds, like post-game wrap-up shows for all your favorite TV shows. AfterBuzz TV hosts are industry insiders who break down episodes of shows, take calls from fans, and interview cast and crew from each series with over 60 different after-shows, from Boardwalk Empire to American Idol to Vampire Diaries to Real Housewives and more. Now, after a night of TV, I can ignore my stupid co-workers, who I hate, and go straight to my desk and watch or listen to all my favorite AfterBuzz TV after shows and have all the TV fan interaction I need. Thank you, AfterBuzz TV. AfterBuzz TV. What do you want to buzz about? Welcome back, fans. Uh, so before we get into news and gossip, I want to spread this news and gossip. For those of you who don't know, our own Maria Menounos co-founder of AfterBuzz TV alongside our own Kevin Undergaro here. <laughs> He's blushing. Um, she is on Dancing with the Stars, an ABC show. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't been voting, please do so. It uh, the, the longer she stays on AfterBuzz TV, um, well, do you want to say why? Why it's helpful to the network? It's always helpful to keep voting for Maria because it keeps her distracted so we can keep spending money behind <laughs> her back. <laughs> and she's fabulous on the show, and it's fun. Yeah, so she she actually she, uh, we we do get a lot of comments that she's a great dancer. So um, I, think, I think she deserves it. She's, she's very happy. You know, Maria never ever danced before. And no. she, she did. She sang in choir, uh, never acted or danced, and it's and and for dancing, you know, it's not that she had two left feet, but she was never ever a dancer. So it, it's been new. Derek Huff is a is a great teacher, and uh, and. Whatever, just taking it one week at a time. How about yeah. this? How about this? Great. If you enjoy Maria's dancing, keep voting for her. Right. If you want to be a sadist and be mean to her because she has her full-time job over at Extra, and then she's got 10 hours of dancing practice seven days a week, <laughs> keep voting for her so she can continue. Yeah, because it's painful. It <laughs> is. Yeah. All right, so so uh, news and gossip. Yes. After TV News. Well, Pete Campbell, a.k.a. Vincent Carthizer, dished to IGN.com about what makes Pete, Tambo kick, uh, Pete Campbell tick. Most interesting may be his take on co-star and on-screen wife, Alison Brie, a.k.a. Trudy. Uh, IGN has spoken to Alison Brie before about Trudy, and she said she thinks that there's a hint of Lady Mac- Mac- Macbeth to that character. Vincent Carthizer responded, Sure, leave it to Ali Bree to bring Shakespeare into it. I think she's wonderful. I'm not going to comment on any analogies to Shakespearean in work. I've learned my lessons well. But, yeah, I love doing the scenes with her, not only because she's a wonderful actress, but because when you've spent a lot of time in character, not that I'm in character, but when you spend a lot of time working on characters, you kind of feel specific ways due to how the character feels. Is this a revelation of what Trudy may do down the road? Ooh. That's my question. That's excellent. I don't know. Maybe. Well, that ties I into mean, your thing, Bethany. It is. Well, well kind of. I mean, um, I it, it's a little bit hearsay, but I feel like I have it from a good source. Um, we were all, all right, in acting. Well, what, what, no, I, and I, and I'm, and I'm never much of a gossip. So we were all in acting class together, and one of my girlfriends was saying, well, you know how she got the role of Mad Men. I was like, no, please tell me. I'm dying to know. Um, the producers offered the role to somebody else first, but it was only written as a co-star. And that girl, whoever she may be, turned it down because the role Good was for too her. small. Smart play. Small. Yep. It's really smart. <laughs> she, these dumbass moves every effing day. She oh, my it down. God. And so they were going through the tapes. Bird um, in the hand, people. They were going through the tapes kind of last minute, and the producers stopped on Allie's tape. And they were like, oh, who's that girl in the blue dress? And supposedly getting ready for her audition that day, she was like, I know exactly what I'm going to wear. I'm so excited for this. She wasn't necessarily excited to get the job, but she was just excited about the character. And as they were going through the tape... That's what you're like, which is why we love you. (laughs) Thank you. As they were going through the tape, they're like, oh, give it to her. 
so, I Gone. mean, it boom. At, at which point, I mean, she's won, I want to say maybe two or three SAGAR awards at this point because they, they, they've got oh, her I, lo- in I and, love hearing that. I mean, just a small, simple co-star that somebody else turned down has turned into this. How many? I just see these <laughs> dumbass moves every right? day. Dumbass. Somebody is kicking themselves somewhere. No, uh, and they should be. Okay, so from zaptoit.com, uh, there was a quick John Hamm interview. When discussing research for the show, uh, John looked to his older sister, who was born in 1960. He also had another sister that was born in 66, and he had a lot of pictures and stories to go by you know, from that era, which really helped him. As far as the show being somber and the mood on set... Uh, uh, n- as far as the show being somber and the mood on... And, the, and talking about the mood on set, him said it's actually fun. I work with John Slattery quite a bit. And he's one of the funniest men on the planet. We try to keep it as loose as we can without being disrespectful to the work that's going on. Mm-hmm. Ham's also been a fan of comedy uh, for a long time. Although he doesn't think he's particularly a funny person, he talks about when he first moved to L.A., he was a big comedy nerd and would go to all the... Largo, uh, UCB, yeah, all those places. All yeah. those shows. Yeah. And yeah. he, he loved it because you'd pay $5, $5 and get three hours of comedy. And he's like, and back when I made 100 bucks a week... It's that, awesome. That was amazing. It's still awesome. It is. Now, <laughs> as reported... And by the way, uh, if you want to go to zaptoit.com and read more about the interview, you can. And also, IGN.com has much more on Vincent Carthizer. Uh, I, I want to make sure we give credit where it's due. As reported in the New York Post, John Slattery told Jimmy Fallon about him. He gets a little ornery. Says Slattery, Ham gets a little ornery when you make him do it too much. Slattery said while well, a guest on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, too many takes, and he's like, come on, we did it already. Let's go. <laughs> and by the way, from meeting him a couple of times, I kind of could see that. Yeah. I could see him getting... Uh, he, mm. But 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 I've heard that, at least in interviews, he said his perspective has changed a little bit since he's directed. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little more yeah. patient. You know, well, it's... Because fu- sometimes, sometimes it's the sound, sometimes it's the cameras, sometimes it's the actor. It's like when you get all three of them to match up. Especially when you, get in, when you get into those scenes with a dolly and the kind of focus that you've seen, especially in this episode, um, you really see the amount of detail and the amount of so much. just insane. Um, you know, Tom Hanks has, has always says, if you're an actor, direct, and if you're a director, act. Mm-hmm. Is it because then you'll mm-hmm. be much more sensitive to what either part is going, and you'll be much more effective at your craft. Absolutely. Um, Rich Oliver, a.k.a. Harry Crane, was interviewed with a website called Ology.com. And again, a very long, extensive interview if you guys want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we heard what I thought was interesting when they asked him about all the secrecy. Weiner's known for keeping critics and viewers in the dark about the show. And they asked if he was allowed to tell his wife. <laughs> uh, he said, as far as my wife goes... Most of us have Matt's blessing to talk to them about that kind of stuff. My wife has been a part of the Mad Men world as long as I have, so she's in that circle of trust. As far as everyone else goes, I much prefer to let people be surprised. I watch Breaking Bad and The Wire, and if anyone had ruined those for me, I would have undoubtedly been disappointed. Oh, yeah. I get it, too, because a lot of times like, uh, we have chances here to get spoilers. Mm-hmm. We have chances to get our hands on scripts, we, and I don't want it. I don't yeah. want it. I love be- I love watching every week and being surprised. Especially Breaking Bad. Never have I gone on amctv.com to look at the next clip. I don't. I'm, so, I'm with you, Josh. Never want to see it. I want to no. see it on Sunday. And and I know we, we've knocked uh, when we go into predictions. We've knocked how cryptic the you know I love that the, the scenes are from next week. Very much like The Sopranos was at the end. I enjoy it because I love being surprised. Mm-hmm. I love the twists and turns. It's so funny. I'm oh, like I could read the script and you could tell me. What what was going to happen, and I'm still surprised. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Oh, I love that. It's so bizarre. I love that. I'll cover my face, and I'll be like, don't know, and I know it's coming. <laughs> the magic of it all. Uh, Democrats and Republicans were up in arms about last week's Mad Men reference to Mitt Romney's dad. Liberals <laughs> thought it was a justifiable justifiable poke at Romney and his dad. Conservatives thought it was more of the typical left-wing Hollywood media taking swipes. They based their presumption on Matt Weiner's usual liberal stance. Thoughts? Wouldn't it just be a connection as far as a place in history to current events? How about just give him credit for being clever? That's all. I I don't think there was was anything behind it. You know, they they had gone on about the fact that uh, Ham... Knocks John Kennedy, mm-hmm. not him. Excuse me. Um, Don Draper yeah. knocks John Kennedy and speaks great about um, 
Nixon. Nixon, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I don't read any more deeply into that. The fact know, if, that it's it's yeah. great, it's timely. I think if we were meant to read anything into it, they would have, you know, dwelled on it a little. Hey, longer I mean, they can't episode. like they're shooting a period piece. And, and you can't here's avoid the, politics. It helps us that anything, time and place. Yeah. It's great that you know they're writing it. I mean, you could say, oh, it's Matthew Weiner. It's Matthew Weiner's philosophy coming out. No, you know what's great is that it's that character's philosophy coming out, mm-hmm. right? And okay. that's the best writing is they're writing from the perspective of whoever. Mm-hmm. That it all feels very real to me, so I don't feel like there's a slant. I always feel like every every episode has at least one or two jokes on the history, whether it's a joke that connects to events that we're experiencing now. Just with the record player tonight, just look at this. Look at this great it's seven <laughs> feet long. It sounds wonderful. I know. Will now now we have this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now we so have it. I touch it. Exactly. And we can play it as loud I as we have want. Like mm-hmm. Three thousand songs in here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. From the Associated Press's Kim Cook. Now that another season of Batman is taking us back to the '60s, lovers, lovers of mid-century modern style are eyeing the sets for inspiration. Luckily, the popularity of both the AMC show and the design style makes it easy to find furniture that sets that stage. We were just was it last week, Phil? The week before we yeah. discussed this. Well, I think we kind of discussed it every week. Well, really, we got into the fact that you know this this style is back, and when I look at yes. you know some of the some of the some of the stuff, some of the older houses. When really you look at our set. Out. Right. Look, we look at our own set that we're on right now. It's, it's a very '60s vibe. We have, mm-hmm. you know, we have shag on the wall, shag on the floor. These chairs. We have the vinyl uh, chairs. Uh, chairs, yeah, like from uh, the Merv Griffin show. Very, very dating game. Very '60s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's funny when I walk into some, when I look at whether it's Roger's office or Don's house. You know, or just the just the ad agency itself. It, yeah. it looks like you could walk into that today, Bethany. If that yeah. if your those could very well oh, be your easily. theatrical agents. Oh, okay. And you could, could walk, and you wouldn't yeah. blink. No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't or blink or at all. a friend's house, it very 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 easily. Add a it's few computers, take away a few phones. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> this the, well, Kim Cook got into broke it down subject to subject, and and talking about the living room. Uh, Mad Men's uh, Mad Men's set decorator, decorator Claudette Didul says she and production designer Dan Bishop are especially proud of the Manhattan apartment they created for newlywed characters Don Draper yeah. uh, and his former secretary Megan Calvin. Mm-hmm. The split level open oh, uh, planned living room, right? The sunken living room was yes, initially envisioned by the show creator Matthew Weiner. No surprise, <laughs> but it was up to the production team to make the space cool, livable, and able to accommodate shoot requirements. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to move walls and set up camera platforms. So we couldn't have actual furniture in certain places. The sofa, bench, and wall unit are all built for the space and can be easily removed, says Did you? I, I don't you know. I, I saw it. that set and I just longed for Manhattan. I don't know yeah. about you. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. City of inconvenience, yes. What? <laughs> Nothing. I, I hate New York. <laughs> Do uh, you? No, I don't like it. I like to visit it and I like to be drunk there and then I'm out. Okay, as far as lighting. In period TV shows, light fixtures are essential in delivering the right look. Mm-hmm. On Mad Men, they're practically characters in themselves. Tall, slender wood, colorful, opaque glass, gleaming metal. Every set's personality is punctuated by one or two statement lamps. Didul says the production team favored vintage lamps, lampshades despite their fragility. The slub silk on them is just beautiful, and the light through them is really unique. Hers came from Los Angeles area prop shops and vintage stores. Yep. Right? Love it. I'll, I'll take them if they ever have a, a set sale on well, there. You, you remember when they sold off the old set on eBay from the old uh, so the From the first agency. office, yeah. If I had $500, I would have bought one of the minor coffee tables. Right? I mean, they had all the furniture Everything there. I can find you amazing. one. Yes. Tell me what one you want. Like, I, I love nice, hunting for furniture. <laughs> Just tell me. Well, let's talk. Speaking of the art, most of the modern art on Mad Men isn't actually vintage. DeJul has found great pre- pieces at rental galleries, such as Art Pick in Los Angeles, and through Artist Friends. The dramatic dark graphic in the show's ad agency office was created by the art department under Bishop's guidance. The piece echoes the work of English op art proponent Bridget Riley. Similar posters are at Zazzle.com, starting at $100. So there you go, Bethany. Zazzle. You're writing that down. I I am. Deborah Kling, a New York-based color consultant and decorator, sees mid-century modern style as grounded in neutral hues. Simple lines, natural elements like stone and stained wood, and earth tones punctuated by what I call dinner brights, orange, magenta, and turquoise. Mm Mm-hmm. 
To stay true to the style, Kling advises mixing these hues into a background of neutrals and keeping the floor plan open. Yep. Right? Yep. We see that every week. Last but not least, Forbes magazine has a potential Mad Men spoiler. Two days after Johnny Depp's uh, new movie's Dark Shadow opens, comes the ninth episode of season five of Mad Men, and according to IMDb, it's called Dark Shadows. So the question is, are vampires coming to Sterling Cooper? Episode 9 seems to fall... I would be so happy. Well, episode 9 seems to fall chronologically around November 1966, when Dark Shadows actually was on ABC. The old series ran from 66 to 71, Barnabas Clemens. Mm -hmm. uh, Really weird, surreal... Spooky. I would love a vampire. Kind of like episode. a va- the original vampire soap. Yeah. So far ahead of its time, and 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 nothing that it's it's not like a Bewitched or those other shows, and not that it's even like that because it was a an actual mm-hmm. vampire soap. But we've never heard much of it other than the fact that they're actually doing a movie, which I saw the trailer. It looks very funny. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, mixed mixed re- uh, reviews of the trailer among friends. The running joke I had heard about this with the Dark Shadows possible teaser right. and the running joke with my friends is maybe after they have that if they have it in Mad Men maybe they'll actually have an audience for the Dark Shadows movie oh <laughs> so you, yeah so I, I wonder so you don't think anyone I'm gonna, a fan of this I'm a fan of the old show I, used I am to watch too the DVDs, but I feel but like but I feel like someone like Phil will still find it funny when he, I think because I think Johnny Depp's funny I don't know I like I'm a, I'm a big fan of of most of the Tim Burton Johnny Depp movies that have come right. out. Right, so I mean, between I Ed Wood and... Regardless, but it's... Uh, but it, what, what are you hearing about the movie? It's not so good? Just uh, the trailer. I had mixed, trailer. mixed mixed. Eh, we can't go by the trailer, trailer. though. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, anyway, that's your Mad Men news and gossip for... <laughs> April 15th. April 15th. Thank 2012. you, Phil. And now, our predictions for next week. And now, your AfterBuzz TV does anybody bother writing like the snippets that happen anymore? I just they're so cryptic. It's like you might as well just have us go around the room and say our favorite like line or anything like I that. I predict that it's so cryptic. I, th- I predict that Bethany, um, as a trained performer, is going to do a better job reading the news next week. No. <laughs> yes, that's my prediction. <laughs> ah, Josh, why don't we go to you? Why don't you kick us off? What do I, you predict for I next predict, week? Well, I predict I'll still be as uh, disinterested of the teasers for next week as I always am. Um, I honestly. One of the best parts about this show and Breaking Bad and Boardwalk Empire is that I really never know what to expect for the next episode. And most of the time, I don't need to know because I'm going to be excited either way. I really want to see more with Pete and Roger. I'm waiting for that to actually either really boil over between the two of them. Not so much with Lane, but just with the two of them. Um yeah, because it's, he's almost taken out Don. Exactly. I mean, he's only, excuse me, Roger. He's yeah. almost taken out Roger. So you're right. It's, it's going to come down. This, we've seen this shift because for the longest time, it's always been Pete trying to get the better side of Don or just Pete trying to overcome him. Has been since season one, in my opinion. And now you have this point of, of Roger really trying to muscle in and show that he's still useful. And you have that moment of... of Peter of Pete moving in and essentially trying to surpass Roger. Well, uh, for me, from a story perspective, you're hitting uh, the mid-season, so some of the stuff that we've been heading to mm-hmm. will have to close off, and then you know, uh, then there's going to be through lines that continue all the way to the end. Like I think the Betty thing, I think that's it certainly won't get resolved next episode, but you know, is uh, going to be headed for a season finale. Um, we well, predict- the fact she's on pills now, yeah. I mean, that's all going to pay off. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Joan, with, I was expecting a little more in this episode, but obviously they just kind of, you know, they just kind of threw her back to the workplace and wrapped it up like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Bethany, what do you... I don't really have I, predictions. I, for, I think for... My, mine is for Peter. And what I really feel is that, that it was bad for him today, but this is just the beginning. Beginning I, of his downward slide yeah, or, or his rise to evil power? I think of his downward slide. I think it's, I think it's going to get so much worse and Don's going to have to save him, which he's really going to hate. And you know what's interesting? We do, do remember with Alison Brie mentioning the fact that she's going to be Lady Macbeth. It's kind of interesting. Right. Well, I mean, we saw hints of it tonight, but if she's Lady Macbeth, she's going to do she's, more yeah. to prop him up. But is that going to lead... Do they mean that's going to lead him to doom? 
is it that much? I don't think it's going to go well for him. I don't think people. I don't think the audience wants him to succeed. I think the writers are maybe a little tapped into that. It's interesting because he's such a. At the end of the day, he's such a nice guy, and yet I don't like him. <laughs> Does anybody like him here? I do. Okay. I do. I like him because I, because I, well, I just see him struggling and trying and failing. And um, I relate to that. Okay. Sadly. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, on behalf of everyone here, why don't we go around the room real quick? Because, again, uh, such a brilliant show. We go up five minutes after we watch it. I guarantee we didn't cover all the ins and outs of it. But nevertheless, if you'd like to point some out that we did miss, we'll, we'll gladly talk to you via Twitter at... Uh, uh, at Bethany with an I-E or literarygirls.tumblr.com. Really? Yeah. I'm at Undergaro. I'm at P.D. Spitek. I'm at uh, JJG32. Joshua Gardner was already taken. That's a shame. Uh, Well, anyway, as always, uh, tell a friend, rate and comment on iTunes, vote for Maria on Dancing with the Stars, and we'll see you here next week. Yeah. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.